With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Well, this was a huge deal, Jay. This is basically the biggest deal in the history of baseball for a pitcher. And even though we all knew this was inevitable, this was going to happen because the Mets just got the best pitcher in baseball without giving an everyday contributor from the 2008 club. That voice sounds familiar. It hasn't changed all that much in yeah. uh, 10 years, has it? Timmy Kirkjian. Uh, Holy crap, that was 10 years ago. Yeah, talking for uh, <laughs> Tim, Tim Kirkjian, talking on ESPN about the Johan Santana trade that the Twins made before the, uh, what, Almost February, right? February third, two thousand eight. I'm going off my memory about here. right now. And uh, this came, and I was reminded of this again today because of the deal that the Orioles had made. Now you told me, Reavers, that uh, the the outfielder used Neil Diaz, the 21 year old Cuban. Mm-hmm. I thought he was like a hot prospect. He's only 87. Yeah, Baseball on the America list. ranked him as 85th. 85th. So, basically, the Orioles received five guys. Uh, Diaz, an outfielder. Who's the prize of the trade. A right-hander named Dean Kramer. A third baseman named Rylan Bannon. A righty named Zach Pop. P-O-P. That'll fit in the headline. And and a uh, third baseman named Brabic Valera. And my complaint about the Twins on the Johan deal was... They went for numbers instead of one potential difference maker. They went for quantity over quality. I don't know if it was feasible, but I know the Dodgers wanted them, and Clayton Kershaw was a 19-year-old. And A-ball. I believe in A-ball. And I saw, that would have been a decent return. I saw some links of saying Santana for Kershaw. You know, one for one. And you're taking a chance that a 19-year-old is going to be as good as people think he's going to be, right? Well, he was also being linked to the Red Sox, and the Twins could have had either Ellsbury or Lester, Lester but not yes, both. Not both, and that was I was just going to make that point. Oh, I'm sorry. That no, that no, oh, that's fine. And uh, that they they got greedy, and then the Red Sox said, "Out of hell with it." Weren't the then, Yankees in on it too, though? Weren't the Yankees? I can't remember like who Ian they Kennedy were. or something. And I can't remember who the Yankees was, but they were closer with the Red Sox, and you're right. They could have gotten Lester and uh, who's Coco vet- Crisp. Coco, Coco Crisp, yeah, yeah. That, who was a veteran outfielder there. Or they could have gotten Ellsbury and then some second-rate guy. They went for the numbers. They went and got uh, they got uh, Carlos Gomez, who was with the Mets at the time, but 
uh, and considered a very good prospect. But their best prospect was the other outfielder, uh, Franklin. Eh, what the hell was I his can't name? Remember. He didn't turn out to be much <laughs> either. But then they got Kevin Mulvey, nothing pitcher. Philip Umber, nothing pitcher. Threw a perfect and, game. Did throw a perfect yes, game at Safeco. He yeah. did. And uh, <laughs> Dialis Guerra was supposed to be the prospect, right? The big kid mm-hmm. and uh, the big lug of a kid. But they went for the numbers instead of saying, give me one guy who can be a difference maker. And uh, if I was the, uh, the, the Orioles, that's what I would have done with the Phillies. I said, okay, here's your top three prospects. Give me one of those three guys. That well, might it, be a difference maker. Instead of taking four guys, and uh, maybe Diaz will turn out to be a player. Maybe I'm, I'm sure, you know, Dean Kramer will probably pitch in the big leagues, but is he going to be a difference maker? What this says to me, though, is that the Orioles have zero depth in their farm system, and they're just doing whatever that they can to try to rebuild that. And, and unfortunately, it's, it's most likely going to be, you know, a new regime that takes over at season's end, but... Yeah, I, when I when I was reading more up on this trade, because we couldn't find out the details until it became official that yeah, the the outfielder played in the futures game looks like he's got a chance to be an everyday player. But for the most part, they just went they went after a bunch of guys. Yep. You know what I would have done if I was the Orioles? I would have called up the Cleveland Indians and say, "You want Machado? Give me the catcher." Yeah, <laughs> give me the catcher, and uh, that to me is a better trade. And the Padres. To me, the Padres got more for Brad Hand and also another reliever named Adam Simber. I don't know anything about him. He's a submarine pitcher. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. But they got Brad Hand, and they got the hotshot catching prospect, Francisco Mejia. And uh, he's, uh, you know, the one of the top prize, what, number five overall or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he's probably the top catching prospect in baseball. So the Indians... Knowing that they're getting to the end of the line here because some of these guys are going to have to get paid all kinds of money, want to take one more shot at winning the World Series. And so if, they're bringing in Brad Hand. But congratulations to San Diego. They said, yeah, you can have him. We want your guy. And, and they got him. San Diego had a pretty good farm system before they got this kid, too. Because that was yeah, one of the things. Yeah, they're supposed to have a future. Yeah. Was, uh, but how about the tribe, though, if. If Andrew Miller is able to, you know, return to somewhat of a form that he was a couple of years they ago, they will have put that, uh, and they 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 can stop having to use Cody Allen to the point where he can't scratch his knee anymore and can't get anybody out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they're they're trying to win it. They got Brad Hand, and they Brad Hand signed through twenty twenty one, right? I believe so. so. It's, it's not nope. a rental. Nope. But uh, they they gave up the catcher. And this catcher is probably a better prospect than Wilson Ramos was when that trade was made. Yeah. And they had Gomes, who made the all-star team, and they've got the other guy, Perez. Perez so there yeah. really wasn't probably a spot for they him. They anyway. kind of have, the, you can see the Falvey theory of catching with Cleveland, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we, we don't care if he can hit. We just want him to be able to catch, right? Pitch mm-hmm. framing. Yes, pitch framing, whatever the hell it is now. Whatever <laughs> whatever guidance they want to uh to give the, uh, you know. By the way, you know, good pitch framer? Bobby Wilson. Did you see that strike he got called on a guy on, was it Saturday oh. or Sunday? The pitch was like neck hiding without really a violent movement of the glove. Who'd they get? He just. It, no, it was against Kansas City because we, weren't we watching it here? I thought it was against oh, the Royals oh, yeah. that he did that with the bases loaded. Hit, it was Butera. Right? 
He oh, got Drew Butera. He got Butera. Yeah. Oh, God, poor Drew Butera. Because he can't hit anyway, and then they call him out on a pitch shoulder high. Butera looked at the plate umpire and said, I know pitch for him. He stole <laughs> right. that one. Yeah, he did steal that one. That was that was for sure. Anyway, uh, the uh, to me, the uh, Padres get more for Brad Hand than the... Uh, than the Orioles got for uh, Manny Machado, and now that the which uh, which shows you the difference between a smart organization and a dumb one. And don't you think now that the two biggest names, because the, the the two biggest dominoes, I should say, to fall, now we're going to see a lot more activity. Who has uh, some good reliable uh, baseball guy? Was it Heyman or who? Uh, I don't think it was Heyman saying that Milwaukee is now uh, looking at Dozier. More seriously, so I think it might have been Heyman. Mm-hmm. It was either Heyman or Morosi. I forget because I saw it on uh, Baseball Reference this morning. Well, they uh, they don't have a shortstop because the uh, Ozzy's kid brother isn't hitting, so they send him back. But they don't have a second baseman either, so uh, they would like to fill one of those infield positions. And I would think the Twins would be able to make a deal. How about and, Dozier and Lance Lynn? Because they need a pitcher, huh? Let's do yeah, a combo they can have deal. Both, and here's the deal. Whatever you're going to give us for Dozier, we'll give you Lance, too. Yeah. So, you know, you can have both. Uh, well, we'll give you two for the price of one. Give us a good prospect, though, right? Yeah, it, because they've got to make room for Irv, too, right? Didn't you say Irv's coming back up soon? I saw Lavelle write this without any explanation that Irv would be joining them after the All-Star game, and I don't know if he meant right after the All-Star game or within a 2019. Week. But he looks like he might... I wouldn't be surprised if the next time through that rotation he makes the start because I don't think we're going to see Fernando Romera again. Good point, yeah. All right. All righty. We uh, shall return. This is the ride with Ricey. Really positive, really positive. He had a lot of good shots, had a lot of good numbers. Yeah, 18's a pity, but, you know, it's, it's the 18th hole out of 70, well, 72, so it's a lot of positives. I think the conditions will be a little different going into tomorrow with, with sort of an, I think, 11.30 tea time. Might be a bit of wind. I mean, this morning was so calm. I've got a really good game plan, and I'll just attack it the same way. Uh, is that our guy, Eric Von Royen? Yes. Uh, after today's... Uh uh, he's he's standing second, four under par, tied for second in the British Open. Kisner's in the lead at five under, and uh, Eric Van Royen and uh, Tony Finau and uh, some guy named Lombard, who I don't know who he is. They're four under, but Eric Van Royen played at the University of Minnesota for four years, 2009 through 2012. I usually pay attention to what's going on in the minor sports over there because I can sneak over and get a column once in a while. (laughs) I never heard of the guy until two weeks ago in the Irish Open. He was leading by four shots after three rounds going into the final round, the Irish Open. And uh, he ended up shooting 74 in the final round and finished in a tie for fourth place. But uh, he's been kicking around. He was on the Sunshine Tour, which is the South African Tour, in uh, 2017, and he won his first uh, professional event uh, that year, the Eye of Africa PGA Championship. And then he was on the Challenge Tour, which is the backup European uh, of, you know, events. He won an event there last year, too. But uh, he's uh, just get started to uh, play on the European Tour, and uh, he's uh, golf is 
strange, isn't it? That these guys, they play, but they don't go out. There's probably less consistency in golf than any other sport because they have their periods. You know, they get in their runs. And when they get in that run, they better make hay Mm -hmm. because a month from now, you might start hitting it crooked again or not making your putts. They had somebody... Who was it? I was watching the replay last. No, I was watching this morning, and they had a player on there, and they said his best finishes uh, were three top tens in 2010. Uh, were three top tens, and they all came in a two-month period in 2010. And then we never heard never, from and him. Never he's kind of kicked around ever since. <laughs> it's really strange. Now there's, there's exceptions. But isn't that the appeal, though? Yes, for guys it is. like you, because because it is such you know yeah. everything has well, to be clicking at the at the right time. I mean, every time you turn on TV and see David Duvall sitting there as an announcer, you remember it was ten years ago. He was the number one player in the world, and it was him and Tiger, right? And Tiger going neck him and, neck, and Tiger. Yeah. What the hell happened? You know, <laughs> I mean, he was he was David they're about off. the same age, aren't they? Maybe Duvall might be a couple of years older, but it is amazing how guys disappear and, and never come back. But it's also amazing how, you know, now Eric Von Royen, South African might turn out to be a hell of a player because he's still young enough, but it might, we might also be saying, Remember that guy that played for the Gophers? Yeah, Yeah. he was uh, he was leading the British Open with uh, eight holes to go. (laughs) Well, how how successful was he with the Gophers? Did he win? Uh, Looking at it, it looking at his record, I I printed out his resume with the Gophers. It wasn't like Big Ten champion or anything like that. Senior season, he participated in all eleven of the team's tournaments. uh, Had six top ten finishes. Uh, finished second at the Big Ten Championships, finished fifth at the NCAA Columbus Regional, and uh, you know uh, he, he had a uh, he was at the U.S. Intercollegiate, whatever that is. He finished, uh, he did okay. That was his senior season. Junior season, he was in the lineup for all ten of the team's tournaments. So it sounds like. He was fighting to get in the lineup until about his junior year. Perfect example and of what you're talking about. He had a stroke about. average oh. as a freshman of 76.7. Huh? That's not very good. No, it's <laughs> nothing to write home about, that's for sure. So You've done that at the Augie Open, for God's sake. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> yeah, I probably did playing Mike Fermoil's ball. Right. All the way there, but... You know, perfect example of what you're talking about, though? Y.E. Yang. Oh, sure. You yeah. know, yeah. Pop beat up. Tiger. And you probably would look at his record right now and see that for six weeks he played good. Most of the time, it just doesn't happen out of nothing. All of a sudden, somebody's playing really good. And they make a splash, and then boom, they go away, and they're not, they're not that good. Or they disappear. Padraig Harrington. Yeah. Patty Harrington, won, yeah. He won two in a row. Right? Two majors in a mm-hmm. row. That He won two majors one year. Won the British, won the PGA, I think. And then for five years, he decided to change his swing to try to get a little more distance. For five years, he couldn't break an egg. (laughs) He's popped up a little bit now, but he disappeared too. It's a really weird sport in the how. Because you would think, okay, you go out there, the ball's sitting there. The ball doesn't change. 
you know, it's it's still sitting there. The greens aren't all, they're different, but they're not all that much. You'd think it was a, a sport that would, would reward consistency and that people would, if you're a great player or if you're a very good player, you'd always be a very good player, but it's a very erratic game, except at the very top level. You got 20 guys who are very consistent and you got Tiger Woods, who was the greatest sports machine in history would uh, uh 10 12 years would charles Schwartz will be a different be another one too i mean because he won the masters in what 2010 2011 and no, really dude. hasn't found himself in the mix yeah, for anything else since. i don't know does he shoot 78 you know i mean does he or does he i know he doesn't once in a while he pops up and he's on the leaderboard and stuff the greatest example ever is eon baker finch when the pga was held here was it 02? Okay, maybe maybe it was the 91 Open. Uh, one of the majors, he was a sneaky pick, mm-hmm. you know, and he'd won the British Open. and I, So it had to be, I guess we got to go back that far. What was the name again? Ian Baker Finch, uh, who's on the TV. You know, he's a, one of the broadcasters on TV. Got it. And he started hitting it left. And he couldn't do, he'd go to the driving range, he'd hit it. 305 down the middle, mm-hmm. and he'd go to the first tee, and if you were to the left, your life was in danger. You know what he and needed? The Roycey shift. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> well, I told you, my favorite ever moment at the Masters was I was watching poor Ian Baker Finch. I was to writing a, you know, what happened? And I get I walked down to 13, which is a kind of a little dogleg short, par five that they get a lot of eagles on, but there's the crick down there, that really picturesque hole. You've mm-hmm. seen, you know, the little dog leg and they all hit it up on top of the hill and then try to hit a second shot in there. And there, the woods are over in the left, the same woods that Sergio won the tournament from. Uh, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, two years ago. And, but these guys were halfway up the hill in the woods, tromping around up there <laughs> and uh, looking for a golf ball away to the left. And, and I'm standing there, and one of the good old boys from Augusta, who's been going to the tournament for 30 years, knew the marshal, knew the guy standing there at the ropes, and he said, Hey, Wilbur, who, what's going on up there? And this, the, the marshal, the guy, and he said, he said, I've used this line a thousand times, but it's true. He says, that's that Ian Baker Finch. That boy's a danger to wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, you know, he was, I saw him off the third tee at Augusta. Was it third tee? Uh, no, no, it wasn't third tee. It was uh, later on in maybe the eighth tee, and he hit it two fairways over. Ooh. I mean, it was like, wow. Was, he had to go. That's a that's a humiliating walk when you go to the next fairway. Excuse me, and fellas. Then the next fairway. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm I just getting this ball it. over I here. I gotta play it to get it back from this fairway to the fairway I'm playing. I have to hit it over another fairway. That's a <laughs> it's an ungodly how that stuff happens. What year did he win a major? British Open ninety British Open ninety one ninety one British Open ninety one British Open yeah. And then uh, after they left here, then so he was here for the ninety one Open, but he was a coming. So this would have been the, the ninety two Masters. 
Uh, yeah, it could have been. Okay. No, probably four years later. Oh, well, his, four, his best his best result in a Masters was he finished tied for sixth in '92. Yeah, okay. he was still playing good then. Okay. This happened later on. This happened like three, four. But, years. Is, but he was a putting fool. Is the he old, can make putts, man? Is the British Open though? Is this the one tournament where we get more of the the pop up obscure? Leaders yeah, well, at well, times because Tom Watson almost wanted it fifty eight if he oh, did. Oh yeah, good point. If he hit a fairway, yeah, you know, I mean, if he hit the green, and he you, was in the middle of the fairway. All he had to do was hit it on the green and two putt, and he won. And you were right, by the way, because they were showing a few of the tee shots from some of the boys. It would bounce like it's okay. in a parking lot. Oh yeah, and then the thing would just roll for just to agitate <laughs> about seventy five yards. Today. Just to agitate the peers today, uh, this morning, I said, uh, Carnoustie needs a sprinkler system. Now, this is the way Lynx Golf is supposed to be played. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know that, Brandel. I said, I responded to one guy. Okay, Brandel. Right. Yeah, okay, yeah. Preach. Preach, Brandel. All right, we'll be back. It's a lot easier, Johnny Hyde, going to the British Open uh, update desk uh, when they're done playing than yeah, uh, the true. PGA Masters or uh, U.S. Open update desk. You or will. the players. I think we also have a, I think the players is significant enough. We also have an update. We got desk a lot of desks. Lots yeah. of desks. Uh, to change the sign every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, how come people who watch the British Open replay at night don't get upset when people give them the results like those Olympic time we- like those Olympic <laughs> weenies do? <laughs> oh, don't tell me who won the figure skating! <laughs> what a bunch of weenie heads! Uh, what do you got there? Uh, this update sponsored by Walgreens. Walgreens is here for all your diabetes needs. Stop by today to consult with your pharmacist and get trusted advice and tips about your diabetes medications and testing supplies. Weenie heads, you could fit in with my two kids with insults right there with that one. <laughs> Weenie heads. <laughs> do, your two, uh, do your two kids uh, laugh if, uh, if they hear the word uh, either butter or poopy? Um. We had a talking to by mm-hmm. mom today. The three mm-hmm. of us did because oh, uh, potty talk was at an all-time okay. high in okay. all this okay. uh, this morning. So she said, "Boys, yeah. that's enough." I can't remember what book it was. One of the kids, no, you, you one bo- of the kids' books we were reading, and it had "boo boo butt" in there. Oh, and the uh, the uh, <laughs> the, uh, the your grandchildren were bad. Oh, young enough then to think it was the most hilarious thing. Yeah. Yeah. Are there a lot of uh, there are there a lot of fart noises going on in the mm-hmm. Reavers household yep. too? I would imagine. Especially you know, mom likes to because mom has to do this. Oh, yet? teaching under the, the, the arm. older one gets a couple. The, the little guy, but the problem is the little guy he he does it under his shirt. Yeah. He doesn't he doesn't or he does it over his shirt. I should say yeah, he doesn't get under that there. Doesn't work. No, that's not going to work, no, buddy. No, the best like, though is you know because mom's got the week off. So when mom was doing yoga this morning, uh. We were making fart sounds when she was doing. (laughs) (laughs) That's what led to the uh, the excessive potty talk. That's uh, that's pretty tacky. Your wife is a saint. I know. There's there's just no way around it. At the British Open. And she suffers from blindness, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) At the British Open today, Kevin Kisner has the first day lead at five under. Three folks are tied at four under. Uh, They include Eric Van Royen, who's uh, from the University of Minnesota, Mm -hmm. even though he's South African. Mm -hmm. They also include Xander Lombard and Tony Finnau. A few fellas tied at three under. And if you're wondering about uh, Tiger on his first day, he finished the day at even par. I'm rooting for Tony Finnau. That's who I'm rooting for. Tony's been uh, messing around here, coming close. Let's go and win it. 
I, uh, in my uh, bracket thing, I think I took Tony in his bracket. So. You mean the 1500 so, ESPN yes, go- golf challenge? Yes, yeah. the golf challenge. As Tony rolled his ankle celebrating making a putt during the <laughs> yes, oh, that's right, right man. <laughs> I'm still boycotting because I had the first, the second, and the fourth and didn't win it, the first in the Masters. <laughs> when you finish first, second, and fourth, they ought to be having a parade for you. <laughs> Instead of saying, nah, you finished ninth or something. A roadblock for the Twins. The American League Central got stronger today when the Indians traded for a couple of pitchers, including Padres closer Brad Hand, Chaska native, of course. They also got righty Adam Simbrews had a pretty good year, actually, up to this point for the Padres. The Padres, in return, get top prospect catcher Francisco Mejia. He's rated the top catching prospect in the minor leagues by various rankers. As far as Twins players who might be trade targets, several outlets reporting the Brewers. After losing out in the Manny Machado sweepstakes, we'll go after second baseman Brian Dozier. And Sports Illustrated reporting the Philadelphia Phillies are extremely interested in Eduardo Escobar. Ooh, what would you do there, gents? Mm. Pitching. And then give me some more pitching, and then I want some more pitching. Yes. <laughs> but you could still resign they, uh, him, though. What what position do they have that there's a gap there in Philly? Are they weak in the infield? I they got, get, what, Galvis at short, right? Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know who plays second. Mm-hmm. Who's that third for them? Mike Schmidt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Kenny. I saw him hit one in the lake at Orlando when he was a youth, man. <laughs> Had to hit it over a road in a parking lot, and I went in the lake off my guy Ray Corbin. Oof. Mike Schmidt? Yep. Wow. Vikings today signed first-round pick Mike Hughes, who had been their last unsigned draftee. Cornerback selected 30th overall, four-year, a $9.87 million deal. Signing bonus of 5.25 mil. He'll have a salary cap number in 2018 of 1.7 million. Do they rob those first-round draft choices compared to what they used to get? (laughs) Unbelievable. Uh, One other NFL note. Apparently, Miami Dolphins players who protest on the field during the National Anthem, uh, according to team policy, could be suspended for up to four games. That team policy issued this week. Uh The proper anthem conduct section in the Dolphins uh, policy, team policy, one sentence in a nine-page discipline document provided to the Associated Press by a person familiar with the policy. It classifies anthem protests under a large list of conduct detrimental to the club, all of which could lead to a paid or unpaid suspension, a fine, or both. This is going to get ugly. But we had a kid, Uh guy from Tennessee today, say he's going to keep putting a fist up after it's over. Yeah. Um, Is that a protest if you do it after it's over? They need to clarify paid or unpaid. Because if it's a paid suspension, I'm dropping. (laughs) (laughs) That means four weeks of paid vacation. That's true. Uh, This all comes after the NFL decided in May that teams would be fined if players didn't stand during the Star-Spangled Banner roll on the field. League left it up to teams, though, on how to punish players. None of the team policies have been made public until Miami's today. Uh, Team officials, by the way, had no comment on the story. All right, Johnny. A deep drive to left field. Back and gone. A walk-off grand slam for Brian Dozier. Are you here by circle? It's close and late, wasn't it? Oh, man. That was close On Sunday. Yeah, I, I wrote a column about Dozier today, and uh, there's 
As the uh, trade deadline has approached and uh, people are more convinced that they'll try to move him, which uh, makes sense because uh, he's 31 years old and you're not going to give him a four-year, $60 million deal. But uh, let's remember what a good player he turned out to be for them. He's yeah. a second baseman for six years. Now, he came up in 2012. They tried to play him at shortstop. He, I remember uh, he wasn't. I'm, I'm talking. I remember talking to Tom Kelly, and he said he's got a lot of stuff to clean up at shortstop. And uh, as it turned out, he turned. He was a second baseman. He wasn't a shortstop. I uh, didn't realize until I started researching yesterday. He didn't get drafted after his junior year at Southern Miss. He uh, he didn't get drafted till his senior year. Oh, really? He had a nice year. He was. He had a good three year, uh, four year career at Southern Miss. But he was 22 years old when he embarked. Was he drafted out of high school too, or no? No, no, no. He was he was from Fulton, Mississippi, a town of four thousand. Wow! And uh, this was the lead on my column uh, today that uh, I was in the Cubs home visitors god awful visitors locker room, a clubhouse in Chicago at Wrigley Field. And the Cubs apparently have this wonderfully ornate new clubhouse, and but the visitors one is the same one. Still that the old ratty Cy one. Cy Young used. <laughs> uh, it's it's a second floor walk up. You walk up these long steps, and it's up there, and it's just it's worse than Fenway's, which is damn near impossible. But it's just one room, and there's a little table there, uh, which might. Four people might be able to eat lunch, and there must be some kind of a room in the back. There's a family room down the steps, too, that I think the players can go to if they want to that's air-conditioned. But the clubhouse is just a – and then during media access, it's really a mess, you know, because we're walking around, they're walking around. And he's eating a peanut butter and uh, banana sandwich. Uh <laughs> uh, before the game, get a little potassium in him, but a peanut butter, peanut butter and banana sandwich, and I said – Elvis would be proud of you. And he said, you know where he's from, don't you? And Tupelo is only 24 miles away from Fulton, yep. uh, where, uh, where huh. you know, Elvis was from. So he he knew that Elvis's peanut butter and <laughs> banana sandwich was his favorite. And he actually played for the Legion team in, in Tupelo. The Tupelo he did? something or other. So they didn't, his town didn't have a Legion team. So he played 24 miles away wow. in Tupelo. Uh, is Tupelo Manny big enough to have a uh, suburbs, or would they be not really right? Uh, I mean, well, I got I, I got family that actually live in that lives in Tupelo. Okay, yeah, um, well, on my Fulton mom's is, side, Fulton is only I looked it up. Fulton yeah. is only four thousand. It's in like but, the north northeast portion of the state. Yes, and none of the bit. Even though he had a great high school career and was the North Mississippi Player of the Year, I don't know what what region that encompasses. There aren't many big cities up in that part of the mm-hmm. the state, right? No, most. I mean, Jackson. Jackson's sort of in the middle, and yeah. Then you've got Guffport, which is down down on the coast. Mm-hmm. Well, he was the uh, player of the year, but none of the SEC schools uh, came after him. None of the powerhouses. So he went to Southern Miss, and I did not realize until I looked it up because you know I said, "Okay, what happened with his senior year?" Because he had to come back, and he didn't get drafted. Mm-hmm. They went to the College World Series. Oh, they did. Yeah, that wow. team went to the College World wow. Series. Southern Miss. They uh, won a regional at Georgia Tech in Atlanta. They won the regional, and then they beat Florida 
in the Super Regional in Gainesville, of course. Beat him uh, twice there. What and year, remind me? I'm sorry. So this would have been 09. Oh, 09, yeah. Okay. 09. And, uh, and then they got beat twice in the College World Series. They lost there. They got the, the first two they played. Was there anybody else of note on that team with Dozier at Southern Miss? That came to mind or that you saw when you were looking this can't, up? Can't uh, remember. Okay. Can't remember. Because uh, Southern Miss produces some like, talent. It wasn't like the uh, Mississippi State team that had Will Clark and Bobby Thigpen and uh, <laughs> whoever else on it. Uh, but yeah, it was. Uh, so he's a, he's quite an underdog story when you when you think about it because he gets drafted. He's already twenty two, and he's an eighth rounder. And it took him a few years and, to get up well, here. Yeah, he. Uh, they started talking about him. Remember about 2000, by his third year, they were talking about him, how he had some power mm-hmm. and they liked him a lot. And he was kind of moving up. And then they brought him up, played him at shortstop, and they got, they got mad about his attitude at Rochester, remember, when he got sent down? Mm-hmm. And he had a terrible month there and they didn't bring him back in September. That was like Terry's big message to him that, uh, you know, when he went down to Rochester, he didn't play well enough for them. So they, uh, but he came to spring training in 2013. We didn't know he was going to be the second baseman. He wasn't like it's Brian Dozier's job. I th- was Casilla still around? Can't remember if Casilla was still around. But they, they had other options at second base, and he he had a very good spring. He had a very good spring. Would that have been they, the Matt Tolbert the era still? Would, would Tolbert still have been around? Yeah, he might have been. I don't know. He was. Uh, it's so hard to, to put those yeah. you know, 2011 but, through 2014 But, I mean, clubs. he came along and filled what was pretty much a void. And yes, he, he did. did it for yep. six years. Uh, I was looking up the, the number of starts in, a, in consecutive seasons for second baseman with the Twins. And uh, Rodney had 11. Even though Rodney was uh, Rodney was from sixty seven to to seventy five, he had no, he had nine. Rodney had nine. They moved him in seventy five. He had the most. Uh, Rob Wilfong had five, but he was more of a platoon guy. How many Knobloch have? Nobby had seven. Okay, Nobby had seven. Uh, ninety one to ninety seven. Sure. And Nobby's if you Rodney Carew is the all time twin second baseman. Because he could hit, mm-hmm. yeah. not because he was not because not he could be, field. He was okay until he ruined his knee, getting wiped out in '70, and then after that, he wasn't. He couldn't turn. He didn't turn the double play very well. And uh, Quillacy worked on him for a couple of years to have him let him move him to first base, and they finally did. Did I? I told you guys this, by the way. Uh, the Twins were so desperate for people in 1975. The the, the tenants had gone. So much in the outhouse. And 74, I think it was 690,000. The first, the year that, the fact that was my first year on the beat had nothing to do with it. But uh, <laughs> 75, they moved Rodney to second, to first base on a Friday night doubleheader, like September 14th. And they promoted it as. Rod Carew moves to first base night. You're joking. And they had some kind of a giveaway, and they drew 6,000 people. But it was Rod Carew. That was the big promotion. The promotion was Rod Carew moves to first base night. And then he he played the first game at first. And the second game, 
he he started at first and moved to second. But uh, <laughs> that was uh, maybe of all the dumb promotions the Twins have had, and there were several. Did they have like a program that they handed well, out? I with can't Rodney? remember. They gave you something, some kind of a little trinket. I'm sure it cost twelve cents. Oh but, my uh, god, unbelievable! So anyway, Brian Dozier had a. He's been a very good twin. I think people should. Uh, and people say, well, home runs, close and late. Mm. I'll take forty-two. You can hit him wherever you want. Well, and not to mention, he's a a good second baseman. baseman. Yeah, I think he's having an arm problem this year. He's not throwing as well, and I'm wondering if he's got a physical problem. But, but he's yeah, he's been a hell of a player for him. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history, Patrick. Behind the rubber. Oh, bullshit. Bullshit yourself. There he is. And this crew is here just to f*** us. Yeah. Boom. That's great. You run yourself, Earl. You run yourself. You hit me? Yeah, because you hit me. I'm glad you hit me. We had to have some rhubarb here for this day in history. On this day in history, 1946, during a game... Between uh, the Chicago White Sox and the Boston Red Sox, that clip brings me so much. Coach joy. Red, <laughs> a man, a home plate umpire, Red Jones ejected fourteen members of the White Sox for their bench jockey. Oh, wow! Initiated when the ump warns Chicago hurler Joe Haynes, brother-in-law to the Griffiths. Uh, okay, uh, you know. Brother-in-law to Calvin, wife, husband to uh, Thelma, Calvin's sister, okay. Joe Haynes, who was a pitcher, after Ted Williams got knocked down with a pitch. Uh, it was reported for years the home state arbitrator's ire may have been raised by a ventriloquist sitting behind the visitor's dugout. Uh, it was not the case, but the New York Times had a great piece on it. Uh, 60 years later, in 2006, they had a piece on it. And uh, they all said that uh, it was a guy named Mule Haas, who was one of their teammates, who uh, was throwing voices around and <laughs> and moving around and changing his voice and screaming at the umpire, Red Jones, who set a major league record by throwing out 14 guys nice. for heckling him from the bench. <laughs> Red Red Jones must have had a red hiney. Huh? I bet he did. <laughs> or a red neck. <laughs> I bet he did. On this day in history, 14 White Sox got Egypt.